Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com. Of course, we're usually here previewing the weekly Premier League action, but this time it's a special show as we look ahead to the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. It's only days away now, so we thought it was only right that we spoke about it and got some experts on the show to join me. We're joined by Natasha Henry, who is Women's Football Editor for Reach PLC, and Rachel Corsi, Scotland and Aston Villa captain. You can see Rachel's seen my background already. I'm obviously delighted to have a bit of Villa on the podcast as always. How are you both? I'm great, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, really good, really good. Both looking forward to the to the tournament? I think definitely, you know, we know it's going to be the biggest one yet. I think for me, it's still, this week's been a little bit tough seeing seeing everybody arrive, seeing everyone fly off and, and make it over to Australia or New Zealand. But on the whole, yes, I am very much looking forward to it. Yeah, you've got a few teammates as well, haven't you, who are involved in the tournament, Rachel? Yeah, which is, is it's always nice, I think. Current teammates, yes, and also <laughs> teammates that I've played with um, yeah. all around the world. So that's that's always very cool too. We can't wait for it here at Reach. It's the it's the first tournament that we're covering. We have a team. We have people out in Australia. Okay. And obviously, for myself as a Lionesses fan, sorry, um, you know, I'm really excited for the tournament. But for women's football in general, I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. And I think people will really start to see the talent that we have in the game. The Euros doesn't feel that long ago, does it? That's all still fresh in our mind, Natasha, the success that, of course, that the Lionesses had there. In some ways, it's it's pretty good to have another tournament roll around so quickly, because whilst you've still got that feel good, the more you feel like you've got a little bit of momentum as well. Yeah, 100%, I agree. I think the Euros, in a way, it being delayed, worked, worked for the fans, worked for the, the countries. And I think it captured everyone's imagination after all the, you know, sadness and depression of COVID. I think it really, really excited everyone and then got involved. And I think we've got such a short space between tournaments now. People that have just got into it in the Euros have now been following the WSL, following Wales, Scotland, all these other teams, and they're excited for the World Cup. I'm having friends who were never interested in women's football suddenly telling me, oh, I've been watching this person and oh, this team looked good. And to me, that's always a really good representation of the wider audience, because if they're men's football fans traditionally, and now they're getting into it, imagine what it's like for people who are maybe not into sport at all, who just connect with a player or start going to their local club. Yeah, it's definitely a, a different experience. So I, I've followed Villa's, Villa's men team for my whole life. Had a season ticket my, my whole life. I was saying to Rachel, like over the last few years, I've started to go to to more of the, the women's games, and there's just something different about it. Something that, that I enjoy enjoy in, in a different way. Like it's also also close knit, and you feel a bit more together, and you feel a bit more part of it with, with women's football. And I think that like, the whole the whole world now is starting to see that, aren't they, Rachel? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think for a long time. The game itself felt like it had. It, there was this feeling that we had to prove that it was worthy, and I think that that feels like that sort of kind of weight has shifted a lot. And now there's there's part of that is because people have seen how how good and the skill level and the elite sporting athletes that compete within it. Also, I think there's become an acceptance of there's lots of reasons why we love sport, and I think as you say there, you know. You've come to watch because you're a Villa fan, so you love everything yeah. about the club. And I think that's one of the things I've found in the last 12 months. We've seen so many more fans come because they've recognised there's actually lots of reasons why we love sport. And the women's game has showcased that it, it fits into all these different sort of different categories that people love it for. And I think that's great. And, you know, it, it is well, I think there is that element of it 
it has consistently had a, a slightly different feel um, to what sometimes people typically associate with the men's game that has perhaps put, put some people off. So um, I think for football as a whole, I think it, it's it's meant that everyone's kind of come out as a winner. Yeah, and you've got experience of, of big international tournaments, Rachel. Is this now like the, the worst time when you're kind of waiting for it to start? Because I think of the squad announcements, and I actually feel like they were quite a, a long time ago now, and there's this, this big gap where, you, where, you, where you're waiting for it to start. Is, is this the worst part? You, you just want to get started as a player? I think this is the part where, as a player, you fear the most, or you, you fear the most that it's so close you've made it this far, you've got selected, you've made the final selection. And then you think, I need to keep pushing because I want to be at my peak for once we do start. But then you also have that moment of, but I also don't want to get hurt. So you're, yeah. there's a really fine balance. You know that the stress levels have heightened. That's one of the biggest factors that cause these little injuries that people pick up. So um, it, I feel these few weeks are a little bit, um, there's a lot of change. You know, you, you arrive, you get sort of the feelers for your bearings you're in your hotel room um, you're making sure you know you've got everything you need as all the baggage arrived um i've heard different stories i think it was i think a few sweet i think a few of sweden's team i think um one of the teammates in in scotland we have she was just telling me this week a couple of bags didn't make it um, i think everyone has i think everyone has got their bag now but th those are just the little things that just heightens your 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 stressors a little more whilst you're still trying to train and and as I say, be at that peak condition. But um, I think as well, it's also the good part. Like once you arrive, all those teams that have now got there, um, it'll start to feel very real. And I think, you know, looking back to France 2019, I can I can remember everyone's attention was on trying to just maximise the experience, like take everything in, which is yeah. almost impossible. But um, yeah, some really fond memories from back then. And I think those are the types of things that stay with you forever. You mentioned like peak fitness as well. The WSL season finished, for example, so so long ago. So the domestic season feels feels like feels a long time ago now, doesn't it? So, is it hard to then go from having that massive gap of having proper competitive football to then you bang you straight into a tournament? Because the men's players often talk about this and and the gap, but that gap's a lot smaller. This this gap's been huge. Yeah, it has been big. I'm not too sure why the calendar has fallen how it has. I think no. this is is later than it typically is as well, and. Um, I think that is hard because there's also then you have everyone will be focusing on just these few weeks that the World Cup are on, but then that also then does immediately fall into the next coming season. So players were aware, you know, in in the last two months they're aware that they'll get to the World Cup and then they'll have to come back and very quickly feel like they have to pick up that stride again. So um, I think that's a difficulty because probably players did need to take a break and how much of a break people were able to actually fully take and relax and get the benefit of that, I'm sure was very minimal because I think you probably couldn't help but think, I don't really want a break at this point. I want to just keep going. Mm. You kind of hope, and I, I know there'll be a, a big spread across you know, the 32 teams that are there, but there should be resources in place that that make that transition possible and easy. Okay. Well, in the second half of the show, we're going to look at a, a bit more at England and, and focus on the lionesses. But we're going to start with this is probably the worst the worst section I, I, I would say of these kind of shows because you have to you have to make predictions. And I know from our who scored predictions at the start of last season, I looked at the league table that I predicted 
and it was an absolute disgrace. It was, it was, it was nowhere near what actually ended up happening in the, in the Premier League. So we've got you here basically to make predictions and say what you think is going to happen in this World Cup. So we'll start with you, Natasha. <sighs> Who do you think is going to win the tournament and why? I genuinely think England are going to win. Bias aside, I feel like, I think in football, men's, women's, there's always a period of time where it's, even in sport in general, there's that person, that team, and they just have that final piece. And I feel like England are there. I feel, I feel like Serena was England's final piece. I know they have the injuries. I know they're missing big players. But I feel like as a squad, we've got so many talented players that are all playing at the highest level. I mean, Rachel obviously knows a few of them very well. And I think it's those kind of players who maybe weren't going to be in the starting eleven who will come out and really make the difference for England. Yeah, I think one thing the injuries has done, it's kind of freshened the side up a little bit, but we'll come on to this later. But no doubt the injuries, the missing players are, are huge players for England. They've had a couple of retirements as well for, for, from the last tournament in this space of time as well. So it does have a bit of a bit of a unique, fresh look, look to it. But England are obviously up there, the Lionesses. As, as one of the favourites. Rachel, who would you have to plump, who would you plump for, Sarah? I think I find it hard to bet against the US. I, I don't think they're as dominant as they used to be. Um, and a lot of teams have caught up. And I think we, in Europe, we certainly probably experience that more so than than perhaps, perhaps some of the other continents do directly. Um, just, you know, European countries feel the pressure and the, the growth of the teams. Now, when you look at qualifying, you know, the results are firstly much closer and there's a lot of teams that sit, you know, you'd expect them to maybe be the third or fourth pot team. They're able to take results from those first and second ranked pots as well. So it's. I don't think it's going to be plain sailing, but I do think the one thing that the US are so good at is handling the adversity and having an attitude like no other of that, never give up. And, and they also do have quality. I know they also have suffered some injuries to key players. Obviously, Becky Sauerbrunn being their captain, missing out is is a big loss. I just think once you get into the knockout stages, I think it will be really difficult to to out to to beat them to knock them out. But um, they're one of my favourites. I think I also still do believe Spain have a huge amount of talent and capability. And I think when we even think to the Euros, that England Spain game. I personally felt that Spain were the better team. They made us. I remember they made a slight tactical change. The manager changed some of the personnel around the 70-minute mark. And I would have said up until that point, England looked like there was no way they were going to be able to get through. Um, I think that slight tactical change from Spain went against, you know, the team on the day. You know, they almost sucker punched themselves. Um, and it ended up giving England an opportunity and that sort of changed the momentum. And when you have that switch of momentum, they then got the winner. So I always do remember that game though as being a key moment. And I think maybe mm. a lot of people sometimes forget that in England's Euro journey, that um, it, there was those touch and go moments. Um, so I think for me, Spain and US are, are going in as one and two in, in terms of what I've seen from, you know, what the squads are capable of. I remember, I actually remember that game has been the moment that I thought, I think they might they might win it here, England. That that was the, it's how you ride adversity, isn't it? Isn't it in football? Yeah. And England just about managed to, to ride that storm and, and ride that period of adversity and come out on top. And then that probably gave them the belief to kick on and, and go the rest of the way in the tournament. Natasha, we saw England as the, as the home nation in in the in the Euros. How much that backing meant, and you know that will have helped get England over the line as well. Australia, obviously, having that this time. Do you think that gives them an advantage? Do you think that maybe places them higher in, in favourites as it normally would? Oh, 100%. I mean, we always see the tournament hosts 
put you know in the top six if you say of winners and it's not often that they actually are I, th- I feel like Australia because it's at home because it's in front of their fans of course they're going to have that extra support do I think they have the ability the ability to you know win over in England or in Australia um England or USA sorry then then definitely not how much does that does that like being the home nation help Right, right, sure. It's a stupid question because obviously it does help. But even those nations who perhaps aren't fancied as much, it does kind of give them something. Yes, it's interesting because I actually was I was with the Scotland team earlier this week and I actually was thinking about that and I asked a few of the girls that were sitting around me on the bus, I said, do you think we would do better if we were playing a major tournament at home or away? And um, we kind of had a mixed feeling about us, okay. our, us as a team. Looking at the groups, actually, it's not just Australia, but New Zealand as well. I actually think when you see the group that New Zealand are in, I think they possibly have a chance to get out of the group. Um, okay. I think, you know, I think you'd expect their group, Norway, will be the strongest. Um, but I think it's probably between them and and Switzerland. And I don't think it's impossible to think, you know, I have a gut feeling that there's going to be, in the group stages, a big team may miss out on progressing. Okay. Um and not that there's necessarily, I don't think it's a shoe in for anyone in that group that would progress, but you'd say Norway are certainly the most experienced in going in with maybe the the expectation of, of finishing top of that. And I think New Zealand might have a chance also benefiting from that home advantage. Um, I think Australia probably are going into this really confident, um, but I also think they have the maybe the opposite feeling of New Zealand in that I think their group's tough. I think... Canada, Republic of Ireland and Nigeria will be three very different tasks. And I think it could go either way. You know, playing those three tough games at the start could set them up for actually going on a a run. But equally, it it could almost trip them up sooner than they expect. What about Germany? Either of you fancy Germany at all? They're they're a bit of a a wounded animal, aren't they? Because they obviously they, they lost the they lost the the Euros final, so yeah. they came so close to, to winning that. It's almost that that German mentality of you know wanting to go one better the next time. So sometimes you you learn something as well from, from losing losing a final, and quite often teams will lose a final and then they'll win that final the year the year after. So is there something in that for Germany? I don't think you can write off Germany, France, China, teams like that. They they have their tournament experience, you know. They have the players that have won things for club and country. And I think, you know, you always go to a tournament and there's always that group of teams who you know will get to the quarterfinals at least. And I think they're part of that group. You'd expect them to get out of their group. You know, you don't expect them to be frantic on, on day three of, of group, um, group games. But... I mean, you look at a team like France, all the upheaval, all the mm. drama. You look at a team like Nigeria. Obviously, there's been a lot of news surrounding that team and the behaviour, the appalling behaviour that has been alleged. So you wonder if, I mean, I'm not a player. Rachel will know better than me. But I always wonder how things like that can disrupt a camp because, you you know, like it's 40, 50 people all together for a month and a half. And then you maybe have these uncomfortable situations. Is Maybe that makes it better. Maybe one unites together and goes out on the pitch with a common goal, or maybe it, it actually affects them on the pitch. Let's move on to underdogs then. And you're going to have to, going to, have to give us a reason. I, I never like underdogs as, as a question, because how do, how do you define an, an underdog? Because probably the, the teams that you're going to say aren't going to go on and win it. So let, let's say a team that maybe will upset a few and maybe go further than people would expect, Rachel. 
you know, you might look at teams, obviously Zambia had that incredible result against Germany, which I think has probably now picked up a little bit of interest for a lot of others. Um, and I think that's maybe just because the way that women's football is often shown for people within Europe, for people within the UK, probably have just never actually watched many of these African teams compete because the visibility of it in the past hasn't been so easy. Um, but I do also think you typically find um, a team like Zambia, um, I think Nigeria as well are, are similar in that they carry a huge threat up front. And I think that's, we've seen it in the past, you know, Nigeria are fairly experienced at major tournaments. We've, I remember watching actually the World Cup that was in Canada in 2015. And I think I was at their game against the US, I think it was in the groups and they were incredible. And I, again, I think there was an expect, no, there was a probably a smaller expectation because the amount of exposure this this team had had in the international scene probably was just limited from from what I'd been able to actually watch. And um, they were fantastic. And I think I think as well as going back to that group, Nigeria falling to Australia's group. I think they they are a team that they have a tough group, but potentially could could cause an upset to either Canada or Australia, who will certainly go into that expecting to progress. Um, so again, I wouldn't call them a, a you know a team we wouldn't expect much from or um, an underdog. But I think they could be a team that make the knockouts that perhaps people don't have on paper. Yeah, I think that, that Group B probably is yeah. the the, the more interesting group. I, I would yeah. say I do fairly. You look at that, and anything could happen within that group. Certainly, I think three three teams there are pretty close, maybe closer than people think, like, like you said. Natasha, what about you? Okay, I'm going to go with my heart over my head and say Jamaica. Okay. Um, that was my answer, to be fair, as well. Oh, I love so there that. There we go. Do you know what I think, like I said before, the, the issues that France have had as a, as a squad, as a team over the past, it's not just been the past few months, it's been the past couple of years. And, I mean, Khadija Shaw, if anyone, if you've been watching her for Man City this season, I think for me as a forward, only her and Rachel Daly, they they were the staff forwards for me this season in WSL. And I think even if maybe some of their team do not have the talent of their competitors, I think the mentality, the fighting spirit and the fact that they have goals in their team always is going to make it tricky for someone. You know, a lot of teams will think, OK, we can beat them 2-0. But if Bunny scores a goal... That soon changes, you know, a team that expected to trample all over them then have to score two. And I think they might surprise some people. I'm not saying they'll get through the group. I'd love them to get through the group. But I think they may, you know, people may be nervous. Like Rachel said, there's a there's a big disparity in terms of the access and being able to watch European football compared to Africa and the, mm -hmm. and the Caribbean and South America. And I think there will be some players, some managers who are not as familiar with some of the the stars on Nigeria in, in Jamaica. Did you, did you play against Bunny this, this season, Rachel? I can't remember if I you, did, were, yeah. you were in the yeah. What she, she like to play against? I, I personally love playing against her, not because I I think it's easy by any regard. I, I, hope, I, I hope nobody chooses to take that little line in the <laughs> <laughs> headline. But um, no, she's, she's a different type of striker to what I think a lot of managers choose a nine that's a runner that typically likes to run the channels um, and she's able to offer offer a lot more than that she's certainly got that athletic ability to do that um, but she's got such a stature that she's such a great focal point and for somebody who is as tall you know you often find they maybe aren't as their close control isn't always 
something that's you know one of their strongest attributes but she's very 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 good at holding play up and and linking that play and and bringing others into the game so i always enjoyed our battles perhaps that because i think this season we had our all our games against man city i think were pretty close and it was yeah it was quite a, a fight and i always enjoy that as long as it's you know fair and competitive and i think you know there's a few times i maybe pulled her shirt and a few times she probably pulled mine so i think probably football. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't think France or, or Brazil will relish that game, and yeah. the defence certainly won't relish coming coming up against her because her record in the WSL was was of course absolutely sensational this season. I've got a feeling I know what your answer might be for this next question, especially, especially yours, Natasha, because I think it probably falls into to your underdog. Who do you think? <laughs> who do you think might struggle? I have concerns about France. Yeah. I'll be honest. I just, you know, injury concerns, the mentality concerns, the. The, I don't know which word to use, the issues within the camp that we're constantly hearing about. Um, I, I This is very, I don't know if USA will be the USA we expect. Don't get me wrong, they have the talent, they have the squad, 100%, there is no doubt in that. But there's a changing of the guard going on there. You know, everyone knows Megan's leaving, obviously, at the end of this season. I wonder if that may affect it. I remember being an Arsenal fan when Henri said he was leaving. Suddenly you saw Arsenal struggling to play with him. You know, players maybe, shall I give the ball to him? Shall I not? Managers wondering whether they should do certain, you know, um, free kicks or whatever it is because they're planning for the future. I, I just feel like USA... They'll probably prove me wrong and then I'll be very embarrassed. But I don't think USA is going to be the USA we're used to seeing this year. What about you, Rachel? Well, I'm going to look at sort of a group and I think Group E is the other group along with Group B that I, th- I think has some possibility of, of causing an upset. And, um, in Group E, you have Netherlands, Portugal, USA and Vietnam. Um, I think Vietnam will will have a tough time. But uh, those other three, I think, will be very, very interesting. Um, and I think Netherlands haven't had the, the smoothest preparation either. Obviously, they, they don't have Viv. They do have a very talented team. I think they're a very good team and they've got a good blend of young players that have sort of transitioned into being a, a sort of a key role in the senior team. And they've also got those players that we've known, you know, for such a long time to and played so many of the major tournaments. But they're just one of those teams that I think, you know, in the last couple of tournaments, they've done extraordinarily well, obviously. Serena was in charge and, and gave them a lot of, was a part, not gave them, but it was part of that success, successful period. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just intrigued to see what we might get from them. Yeah, I think there's three probably really interesting groups, the two, the two we've already spoke about. And then this, this I can't look past this Jamaica thing at the, <laughs> at the moment for me. I just think France is, there's so much gone on. With France and Brazil, don't feel particularly settled at the moment either. They've had they've had issues with young players having to go and play in, in different countries and, and things like that. So I feel like Brazil and France, I feel like there's a space there for Jamaica to go. Sometimes a team with lesser expectations is easier to, to to play as well. I think there'll be higher expectations on Brazil and France, and Jamaica can almost go into it re- relaxed. No one really expecting them to go through. But they've actually got 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 a good team. So I've got this feeling that France. Well, Brazil might not make it out, out of that group. That, that's how, how I felt about it with, with the strugglers. And, that, and that, that would be a big surprise either of them not making it, wouldn't it? I think it would actually, and in a roundabout way, I think it would be actually very good for the sport. Like yeah. we're saying, you know, if you're an England fan, Scotland fan, you only really know about the European countries. You know, this is showing everyone, you know, it's not just Europe that have got amazing 
women footballers. It's also the Caribbean. It's also Africa. It's also South America because there's going to be a lot of players that the common fan is not aware of or hasn't seen. So I think in terms of the game, you always want to see an upset. I always want to see an underdog either get out of the group or, you know, win an unexpected game because it is it is good for the it is good for the game. It's good for the sport. And as a journalist, it's very good for us. <laughs> yeah, look, look, I'm, look, I'm not, I can't profess to be an absolute expert in women's football because I'm not. But the, everything I've, I've read in the lead up and the stuff I've been looking at today, it's Jamaica that, that keeps standing out to me. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe worth a flutter. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Right, the next one is you got to pick the two you think will be the tournament's best player. And another tough one because the person that wins the award is usually someone who's been involved in, in the final. So you kind of have to to map it out a little bit. Rachel, we'll start with you. Have you got you got anyone in mind for the player of the tournament? Because I think the US will do well. I think I, I think I probably will will go for a US player. I think there's a chance it could be somebody like Lindsay Horan, who obviously now is, is going to wear the armband and she plays in that number 10 role. And obviously that likely will mean she she's possibly involved in a lot of the attacking play that we'll expect from them. Um, and the other one I have for them is Trinity Rodman. I know there's some there's a lot of debate about who should start in the, the front three for the US, but I think she's somebody who also sort of in, enjoys both the pressure and just that exposure, exposure that comes, firstly, from being in the US national team, but also from being the person that scores the goals. I think she's, um, since she, you know, I was, I remember I played in the NWSL when she first broke through, played against her a number of times, and to see where she's at now and the impact she's having now, I think she's had, you know, just her, her growth has been incredible. She's still, she's only just turned 21, I think. She potentially, if she gets enough opportunity, which even if she starts, it comes off the bench, I think she's someone who could be... Um, very much involved in a lot of the opportunities they have. So, Team USA player Team USA, for yeah. you, Rachel. What about you, <laughs> Natasha? Um, I was actually going to go with Trinity as well. Um, Sophia Smith, obviously, as well, USA. And then Lauren James. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of players and, yeah, I, I, I'm not always as excited, but there's just something about her that I feel like this will be the tournament where she becomes England's England star player, I think. Yeah, she's Definitely. been given the number seven shirt as well. I mean, not that you can read too much into into squad numbers, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she's I'm pretty sure she's been given the, the number seven shirt, which may be an indication that she's that she's going to play for England. I, I mean, really, she, she'd be a star, won't she, if she does start? I mean, we've only seen snippets of her for England, not as much as we would like. Obviously, for Chelsea, she's she's been amazing, but I think this will be her on the world stage. I think she's gonna, as she said the other day, forget my brother. I'm building my own lane. I think she's going to go to Australia and she's going to build her own lane and really show what she can do. You know, how versatile she is, her pace, her ability. She's, it's beautiful to watch her play, I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, I jotted down a, a lesser known player, someone, someone you may not have heard of, Sam Kerr. That was who I was. <laughs> as, as, as my answer, I, I always look, look at the home nations and the, the, the hosted and think, they could that they could go far, and if Australia go far, she'll obviously be a, be a massive part of it, and a record in the WSL and, and everything around that is is absolutely outstanding. So I, I put her down just just playing it, you know, on a home turf. That that must be an absolutely amazing thing, and she's a she, she's a global star now. So that was who I jotted down as my answer. Natasha, you to be fair, you kind of answered it a little bit with with your last one with the best player, but a young player that could could explode onto the scene. I mean, we know Lauren, so we won't talk about her. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we've got Russo for England as well. She just made her move to Arsenal. So she has a lot to prove, you know, to to 
she's going back to an Arsenal team without Beth, without Vivian, and you know, so she knows she's going to get chances, but she has to have a strong tournament to prove that she was worth Arsenal fighting to get her and Manu, you know, trying to keep her. I think the US probably for me has an excellent stable of young players, the trio of Sophia, Trinity, and I've forgotten the other player's name, sorry. Alyssa, it's Alyssa Thompson, I think. So Thank you. <laughs> Baby brain. Um, yeah, I think that, that trio, I think, will... They may not play full 90 minutes in every game, but I think they're going to come on and they're going to be game changers for the USA, regardless of when they do play. I think there's been a lot of talk about them, but I don't think a lot of people have actually watched them play to see how talented they are. And I think with that experienced US team, it will allow them to thrive. You know, they can go on with that, youthful mentality of I've got nothing to lose I can go and try this and I think that's always really really great to see in forward players yeah what about you Rachel yeah I, th- I think I totally agree with with everyone you've mentioned I think realistically I, I don't know that um we'll, I, we'll see too many young players that, that are probably in that bracket of you know under 21 but um the US probably do have the most coming through I think even England, England actually have a a very young team. And, yeah, they do. Um, you know, I think there, there's a few other players. I think Neve Charles has had a good season, um, and you know, Lauren James has had a, a very good season. Even just their, not just their own personal seasons, but players there who've actually had experience at a young age of, you know, grinding out success. Chelsea obviously went on to win the league, and they they did it by being behind because they were behind in games actually played, but. They had to, you know, they, they carried that pressure. And I think for those young players, that can be quite key for how well they then do perform at these major tournaments because it's, it is different pressure, it's different feeling. And um, when you represent your country, it's a different feeling. And, you know, that that's the type of experience that will help them enormously. I've got a player to, player to throw at you both. Linda Kaiseida, I was reading about her this morning. She made a debut at 14, which that doesn't seem possible. How, how can that happen? That, that doesn't That's quite common in women's football, actually. That, so, so, is it? Yeah. I read that and was like, what, 14? That can't, that, that can't be like right. Rachel Yankee, Farrah Williams, they all started in their late teen years. And God knows what I was doing at 14, but I definitely wasn't. <laughs> I don't want to I, I, was playing, I, was, I was playing football, but not to a very high standard at all when, when I was 14. <laughs> but yeah, she's still, still a teenager now, plays for Real Madrid, has obviously been through the mill as well in, in her life, plays for Colombia. She, she a player that could, could have a really good tournament, Rachel? I think so. I mean, there's the door is open for anyone to have a good tournament. But yeah, certainly, you know, she's had good club experience this year. And again, Colombia probably do... We didn't mention them earlier, yeah. but probably another team that a, a lot of countries will feel a little apprehensive should they have to play against them at any point um, if they do progress. It is it is a little bit unknown because what you've seen of the team and, and the players will probably not be as much as what you see of the bigger nations who typically are more accessible. So, um, and, and typically a team like Colombia are, are very, very good technically, like like exceptionally good and um, they'll play that style that you would expect of a South American team where they'll look to, to play out of trouble and, and that always means they carry a threat because they're very, very good in attacking third. Let's talk about England then the moment we've all been waiting for, the Lionesses. The first question we've got here is how far do we think England will go, Natasha? Well, I said I said they'd win it, um, but I, at the very least England have to get to the semis, I feel like. I feel like there is now an expectation from the fans, from the players themselves. They will not be happy if it's a repeat of, 
you know, the Laura Bassett Hamble when they got knocked out last time, they will feel, in my opinion, that they failed if they aren't in the last four at the very least. Um, I think it obviously depends on, you know, it's a long way away, things like jet lag, things, things like fitness. Hopefully no one gets injured before the first game. I think that might be a bit tricky for them, but I think they'll get out of the group and I, I think they'll make it to the last four at the very least. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be cheering England on, Rachel. Big big England fan, uh, I've heard. <laughs> you'll be, you you be cheering Rachel and Jordan on though, won't you? <laughs> how, how far do you think England will go? How far do you want them to go as well, out of interest? <laughs> I really think it's going to be tough in the knockouts and particularly because there are going to be teams that finish in that second bracket that you would otherwise think would finish in first. Or you might think if we played that team, even though they finished top, that would actually be not as hard as if we played the team we end up playing. So it's it's, it's just going to be so difficult. Um, and I think once it's not, I think genuinely they have the capability to go all the way to the final. I do genuinely believe that. Um, I think they've got enough depth. I think they've got enough quality in their starting eleven. I think they have a manager who has, you know, bar none, the most experience of how to get a team to a final of a major tournament. That gives you enormous just additional confidence that most most of the teams will not be going feeling the way England do about their manager and, you know, the environment that they've created. So that's a huge advantage to them. Um, so, yeah, I, I genuinely do believe they could go all the way. I just think it will depend on when they play against certain teams that we also expect to do well. You know, when might they meet Spain? When might they meet a Germany or a France or a USA? That that would be a team that I think would also have the same expectation of wanting to reach, you know, or go all the way. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> I think I was as politically correct as I can. No, you make a great politician. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I don't remember you answering my second question of how far would you like them to go. Right? I'm not sure. Not sure you answered that one, but I'll, I'll let you off and I'll, I'll let you swerve it. I think. I really, I look at that England squad though, Natasha, and I think considering how many players they have got missing, that the strength of that squad is, is still ridiculous. So you've got Williamson, Beth Mead, and Frank Kirby all out injured. They've they've been big parts of previous England squads. Jill Scott and Ellen White have, have, have retired as well since since the last tournament. I mean, I can't remember the last time I turned on my TV and Jill Scott wasn't on there. In, in fact, and she's absolutely everywhere at the moment, so she'll probably be around doing some punditry somewhere. I, I would think, but I look, I look through that list, that, that, that the name list of the, of the England squad. There's still an awful lot of experience in there. You've got Lucy Bronze, who's got over 100 caps, Alex Greenwood, Rachel Daly. There's still a lot of experience, but there's also those players who perhaps haven't got that high amount of caps, but they have got that tournament experience of winning the Euros as well. So it's still a, a really nice mix. Yeah, of course. I think. For once, I'm, I'm going to give credit to the FA and say their commitment to investing in women's football is 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 showing. The proof is in the pudding, as they say, you know. They've invested in it. We now have, you know, so many cl more clubs professional than ever before. And you can see the difference on the pitch. You know, a lot of women's players would play full-time jobs and then go and train and play for their club and play for their country. How can you be at the best, at the top, mostly of your sport if you're doing another full-time job on the mm. side. So I think this shows that all the calls for people like us, when we were saying put more money into women's football, we knew the talent we had. You know, we've got a manager like Serena, who's the manager we've deserved for a long time. We won't mention the others who weren't so good, but I feel like she was the missing piece. And I also think for the players as well, they have the backing of the country now. I think going into the Euros, they have the backing of 
women's football fans, people that supported them for clubs, I think they actually feel the love now and they're going over there with a different mentality. They're not feeling like we can't do it. It's like we know we can do it. They're very confident. And like you say, there's so many players in there with experience. Players like Rachel Daly played all over. You know, you Lucy Bronze, Beth England, Mary Ups, all those kind of players played at the top clubs. So even for the youngsters, they can go in, you know, you've got someone like Mary Ups who's who at one point didn't think she would play for her country ever again, was ready to retire from football. You know, that kind of mentality on the pitch, she can help the younger players, she can give them advice. And, you know, it's they're such a tight-knit group, you know. it's I always think that's uh, really important as, when you see as a fan, a group of players, a squad that actually seem like they like each other, because I imagine it's easier to play well when you get on with your teammates than, you know, if you're disgruntled or annoyed with someone. But yeah, I, I feel like this is a, a credit to the FA, a credit to, you know, people like Rachel Yankee, people like Faye White, you know, who have been fighting for this investment and to push women's football to the direction it's gone. Whatever England do this this tournament, as long as they get out of the group, obviously, it's still an achievement and progress from last time. Because yeah, now yeah. we're being talked about as favourites and before we weren't even in the conversation. Yeah, I think it's a turn to be proud of, isn't it? Already before the tournament starts, they've already achieved so much. But to, to go and win the World Cup, really, I mean, the legacy is tangibly already there. I, I can't even imagine what that legacy will be if they add a World Cup into the into the mix as well. I wanted to talk to you a little bit, boys, because it is slightly Villa-based, Rachel. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, num- the number nine position that the striker. Now, Rachel Daly has been given the number nine shirt, but I think Russo likes wearing She's 23. I think she likes to wear that number a- anyway. It does feel like a little bit like a straight shootout between those two to, to, to lead the line. Who do you yeah. think will, will, will get the nod? They're, they're slightly different players in, in, in the mm-hmm. way they play the game. I've watched a lot of Rachel Daly this season. I think she's absolutely exceptional. It blows my mind to think that she was playing left-back in the last tournament. That doesn't make any sense to me, having, having watched her play for Villa, but it's probably a, a sign of, of, of what a good player she is. Who do you think is going to get the nod up front? I, I actually think it will be Rach. For, do you? Yeah, I do. Um and I think that's changed. I think, and I think it's fair to say that that Rach probably was really just grateful she was getting an opportunity to play the nine. You know, I've, me and Rachel were both in the US at the same time, so I'm not at the same club. So I'm used to playing against her. So I've always known her as a nine, and I know that she's she has the capabilities to play at fullback. And I think in her youth career, that was a position she did play quite a quite a lot. But um, I've always known her as a nine, and she's except she's a goal scorer first and foremost. And on top of that, she's her technical ability is excellent. Like she's one of the best in terms of what what she can do with the ball at her feet, and just how sharp she is on the ball. And you know, a lot of her goals this season would be considered half chances. Yeah. Um, you know, she's, she has scored a lot from from inside the box. You know, just being that clinical striker as well. But some of the goals she scored, and the different goals she scored. That reflect the ability that she absolutely has. Um, so I think she will start. I, th- I think that actually probably suits what you then do get from Russo off the bench. At the Euros, I was a big advocate mm. for Ellen in the nine. Yeah. Um, I used to play with Ellen as well at Notts County. This is going back 10 years ago almost. But um, she was, Ellen was someone who was, her work ethic made her someone that you know you could start in tougher games knowing that you would get 60 70 minutes out of her doing a lot of the disciplined work that's required and I think that's that suited Russo and then being able to be a game changer and I think when Serena has these conversations you know she's very open and honest with the players to understand their role 
and that helps these players to you know understand what's expected from them and I think we know Russo can do that we know she can come off the bench we know from clubs she can absolutely start games no question um but I think Rachel has shown certainly throughout her form I think in the last few England games I, I think Rachel's done enough that she'll start yeah, and to, to fair play, I don't mean this disrespectfully, obviously, again, because I'm a Villa fan, but Rachel scored those goals playing in a team that wasn't expected to be challenging towards the, the upper reaches of the table. Her, her goal record and the variety of goals as well. She's got yeah. so many different finishes in, in her armoury. You've actually swayed me around, actually, because I was going to say that Russo would start. But no, <laughs> I was, I, I was going to say Rachel. I was going to well, say yeah. Rachel. I think, for me, Villa were my team of the season in the WSL. I think they surprised a lot of people. I think Carla Ward showed what an amazing manager she is. And I think Rachel just typifies that. I think the mentality. Um, someone spoke to one of our old co- coaches and he said she only played fullback to make sure she could get in the England team. And to me, that says everything about her as a person, the tenacity, the work ethic and, and what she brings to the pitch. And also, it's I think it's good for Russo to have someone who's more experienced and that competition. Russo's not just walking in and starting at number nine. She's got to displace Rachel. And I think that will actually make her work harder, the competitiveness within the squad of who wants to play. Certainly a decent option to have on the bench, bringing yeah. Russo. I don't think it gets much better than that. And in fairness, it might count against her as well, the fact that she did that so successfully in, in the last tournament, because you know you know she can do it, come on for that more senior striker and, and make an impact and perhaps win games from the bench. Because nowadays in, in football, actually, Finish. It's like starters and finishes, and it finishes are probably just as important as the as the players that that start. What other what other positions, Natasha? Do you think I'd say maybe eight or nine of the team? Perhaps you you know what the team's gonna gonna be. What other positions do you think are, are up for grabs in that team? I mean, obviously, without Leah, um, we're we're expecting Alex to to be in the back line. I think the fullback with Rachel moving to nine. Um, will Alex Greenwood play there? I think in midfield as well. I mean, we know how amazing Jordan is. Everyone would love her. As an Arsenal fan, you know, she has my heart. Um, But I don't think we'll see many changes. I think, like you say, it will just be two or three players that she will bring in. And I think with Serena, it's really hard to predict. As a journalist, it's very hard to say who she will play because she's very much for the team. It's not about whose name it is, who's the big player. She's going to play the best 11 to beat the 11 in front of them. So... It wouldn't surprise me if we saw a surprise. Maybe Rachel does start on the bench and Alicia does start up front. But there will be because Serena believes that that's the best thing to do to win the game. What about Katie Zellum? Right, Rachel, she's got seven caps, I think, or between seven and ten caps. Anyway, the thing I've got in front of me might not be up today, actually, so I should have prepped that better before we came on. But, you know, she's relatively inexperienced. She's made a big splash at Manchester United. I think she's she's captain as well of Manchester United, but doesn't seem to have always been fancied by Serena. Yeah, I think it's a competitive area for England. Um, I think Kira Walsh, Georgia Stanway, Ella Toon, Ella probably been the one that's been involved, the least, you know, young player. Just, you'd say this last year, she's really stepped up, but, but otherwise they also have had Fran in the past. They've had some key players, you know, like said, Jill, who's played for years, who obviously at the Euros was more of a bench player, but also someone who's, again, been a name that all of us that have grown up in the women's game just know what she brings. So I think it's 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 been competitive. And I think for Zellum, there's just been a, a couple of players around a similar age who've just, you know, probably just had that little edge on her. Um, and I think for her, it's, I think she'll enjoy and 
and just be grateful that she's been selected. Um, she'll feel she's deserved it and she has been a big part of the success that United have had this year. She had a good season um, and her selection has been down to the fact she has been consistent and the door is open because some players have retired, some players got injured and, and she's been ready. I feel like Katie Zellum's one of them players, you know, if you've got 10, 15 minutes to go and Serena says she wants a player to go on and do a job, that's the sort of player you're going to say. You know you can give her a task and she will go on and do what needs to be done. Same with Beth England. They may not get, they may not start, they may not get as many minutes as they want, but when they're called upon, they will do the job that they're asked to do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think the finishers now are so, so important in, in, in modern-day football. I just, I think, yeah, I think you're right. If you've got someone who can come on and do a specific job for 10, 15 minutes, depending on whether you need to win the game or whether you're trying to trying to see see a game out, I think those players end up being just as important as the ones who play every single minute all the, all the way through the tournament. Rachel is the slightly less biased of the three of us on, on this show. <laughs> so England should get through that group, shouldn't they? But you'd expect them to to wipe aside Haiti in fairness but Denmark and China not not easy games by any stretch of the imagination no I think it I think they'll be very tough um I think it's a it's beneficial to have a, another European team in the group um I think Denmark will be organized and they'll carry a threat they've got some really good players um that you know, I think harder is the one that everyone will will know of. But they they certainly have far more depth than just that. And you know, they're also a team that I think have good experience. But it's a little bit cat and mouse. You know, as much as England will need to be wary of Denmark, Denmark naturally will have that equivalent fear of England. Um, and so I th- I think that's one that I would expect England to be able to see past I think China will be tough um, I think that probably will be the one that um, I I could see China getting a result not necessarily beating England maybe you know getting something out of that game and I think the biggest thing for, for England as we've seen at major tournaments is if that was to be the case just the criticism and the pressure that that may may create along those players which I think is probably a reminder that the gaps have reduced and it's possible you know, it's possible to dominate a game and not win it. It's possible to be absolutely dominated and sneak a 1-0 in the last few mm. minutes. You know, that's why we love major tournaments because these things do happen and we see teams sneak through and fall out and all these little things. So I think the game could be tough and I, I do think it's possible that China could actually get a result in that game. And my biggest fear for England is I don't think that necessarily will cause them to be knocked out. But I know and I've seen the pressure and how that makes people at home, back home feel. So um, that that probably will, will, would be the biggest adversity that might come from something like that happening. I tend to agree. China are the Asian champions. We can't mm. we can't ignore them. They're experienced. They know how to win trophies. And I think I think you're right. I don't think they will beat England, but I don't think it will be a walkover. You, you get the feeling it could be one of those like, dicey one-alls or a last-minute 2-1 win. You know, I think they've got an experienced team. Um, Wang Shanshan, if I pronounce that correctly, is one of their forwards, very experienced, plays in the Chinese Super League. And, you know, they know what they're doing. They're an experienced team. They're a mature team as well. And I think, you know, they're not going to make it, no one's going to make it easy for England. Everyone wants to beat the European Championships. But this, to me, is where you show what you're really about. You've done it on our continent now. Can you go and do it on the world stage? Can we call you one of the best teams in the world, not just the best team in Europe? Yeah, China, 
tricky customers that that, that will be a, will be a difficult probably the most difficult game actually that, that England have in in the group. Before we finish, I'm going to get a, a key player for you both for, for for England. If you could pick out one player as as the key player for for the team, who would it be? I'll come to you first, Natasha. Oh, I'm going to go with Mary Earps in goal. Um, I just feel like our defence was, yeah, our defence was so important, so important in the Euros. And I think it's going to be crucial again in the World Cup. And I, I've got a lot of love for goalkeepers, maybe because we're all crazy people. Maybe that's <laughs> why I love them. But I think she she's an old school keeper. She's talking to her place. She's shouting. She's telling people what to do. Um and I just think it, it all starts from the back. We know we're great up front, but I think with the changes in defence as well, Mary is going to be that yeah. voice of reason. She's going to settle everyone down and whoever comes into defence, she's going to make sure they're doing exactly what they need to do. So I'm going to go left field and stay the keeper. I like that. I like a goalkeeper with personality as well. As well. I think yeah. that's important. And, we, and with so many, with the defence not being the same as it was for, for the aura, I think you're right. That communication could be a, a really critical thing. Rachel, same question to you. Um, I think we've mentioned a few players. Um, I think Lauren Hemp could be the one that perhaps this could be her tournament. I think in the Euros, she probably was a player that a lot of teams spent a lot of time trying to limit the impact she could have. Um, now I think because we expect it probably will be Lauren James will play on the right. I think that makes it more difficult to teams to to make it so predictable because now they've got somebody either side who's very dangerous and, and likes to be very direct, go 1v1 and, and cause teams problems. So I think that will be cause teams more difficulty playing against it. Um, you know, obviously Beth Mead had an incredible Euros, but she wasn't perhaps as natural in those 1v1 situations. She obviously then sc scored a, a huge number of really important goals. So I think now that opens the door for for someone like him to, to really show what they can do. And she is one of the best players in a 1v1 scenario. And I think the thing that she's really actually stepped her level up with in the last season has been the types of delivery she puts into the box. Um, you know, I know that Man City scored a huge number of, of, of goals from crosses and she was definitely someone that was paramount to that. So I think that's that's just a huge asset and her, her pace to get past anyone it is almost unstoppable so she can get a yard it's then having that ability to deliver and I think she's shown she's she's capable of that so I think this you know a little older as well I think that's given her and um, that works in her favour too she's still young so she's going to be and we can't forget Kira Walsh Barcelona don't come in for you if you're not a good player no. you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's, there's not much I can say other than that <laughs> No, fair, fair point. I mean, there's, there's loads to choose from. Is, is yeah. now I'm going to be biased and, and stick with Rachel. No, I'm going to stick with Rachel Daly because mainly because Rachel, you've tempted me that she probably is is going to start. Now, and if you know, you talk about that that delivery coming in the box. I feel like she scored a fair yeah. few headers this yeah. season as well. All, all, all kinds of variety of, uh, of goals for her. You know, at 31 now. She's she, she's really where she needs to be. And I, yeah. I think she's going to be an absolute star for England and, and, and score a lot of goals if she does start. Right then, enjoyed that. Absolute pleasure 
to have you both on and chat ahead of the World Cup. It's only days away now. And do remember that Who Scored have got the full stats and ratings throughout the tournament. So everything you need to know, head to whoscored.com and have a look. Thanks again to you both for joining me. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on. Give the video a like if you've enjoyed it as well and comment with who you think is going to win the World Cup. Have a good one. Stay safe. Stay safe.